0: you're listening to the Mental Detox Podcast, and I am your host, Leslie Flores. Hello, everyone. These past months in 2020 have been super loaded with really heavy topics, you know, um, and it's been worldwide, not just, you know, in the United States. From social justice, public health, politics, everything, it's been like We got the 2020 bundle deal. And for many of us, it's been rougher, you know, than for other people. It's really been like walking through fire. Some of us lost our jobs. Some have even lost, you know, loved ones to COVID. Others were separated from their families. Some are still struggling with health issues. And others are still trying to make ends meet. So I realize that this is probably an understatement to what most people have had to face in the past couple months. For a lot of us, these events have actually been really triggering to our mental health. If you were already battling, you know, with anxiety or depression or something, you know, impacting your mental health, this definitely intensified. For me, at least, it intensified my anxiety, and it's been a trend, you know, that over the last couple of months, all the events piling up, everything happening has really kind of pushed us against the wall when it comes to our mental health. For me, when the pandemic started here in the U.S. and California, there were days when I really just sat in the corner of my office and cried my eyes out there was nothing else I could do at that point. I mean, everything seemed so scary and all my doubts, all my fears, all my worries were so like magnified that my anxiety just kept being fed by all of those doubts and fears. And so the response, the physical response that I was having, the anxiety was so overbearing that sometimes I felt like I couldn't even breathe because I was, you know, catastrophizing, picturing the worst, um, coming up with the worst scenarios just in case I have to be prepared. And so, going through that very early on, you know, um, when the pandemic hit, it allowed me to do a lot of searching, a lot of researching, and to really focus on wh- why my anxiety was, you know, intensifying to that degree. I was feeling so hopeless, you know, feeling hopeless, feeling helpless, but that's really what pushed me to dig in and to really understand what was happening to me. I wanted to know why my anxiety was to that level, why I felt so terrified. And I don't think I ever really devoted myself to researching, to understanding a topic like I did this time around. I mean, not even in grad school, you know, but at that point, it felt like, Anxiety was taking over my life that I really needed to understand what the heck was happening to me. Why something that was happening to everyone was affecting me to a worse degree than it looked like it was affecting someone else. And through that research, it's when it came very clear. Like it was very, very clear to me that my past, some of my past experiences, very specific experiences, the ones that were very impactful, were still bleeding. And they were bleeding into specific areas of my life that were causing this worry and fear and anxiety to be so intense and overwhelming. As you may or may not already know, we learn by experience. From birth, we start associating and attaching meaning to certain things and certain events. These associations and experiences shape how we see the world and how we develop our core beliefs. That includes the things that we fear. So our fears, our doubts, our worries are shaped through those past experiences. Think about, you know, a, a little girl who had a bad experience with a dog when she was really young. You know, probably got bit or got really scared. And so she grows up feeling afraid of any dog, regardless of how friendly the dog might be. So she becomes an adult who is very afraid, you know, has a phobia of dogs. So that first experience that she, you know, faced as a little girl shaped her entire life to how afraid she felt of any dog that was walking by or nearby or in a home. So that first experience determined you know, the rest of her life around dogs. So our past experiences shape our worries. They shape our fears. They shape our doubts. Every fear, every doubt, every worry that you've experienced did not start today. And to be honest, it might not have even started with you. It is true that we inherit our parents' and our ancestors' fears. It's a brain biology thing. It's super crazy, but it is true. Like some of the things that we're afraid of, some of the things that we respond, you know, with anxiety to, they're not even because of us. It's because our generations carry that with them and somehow they were passed down to us through our biology. It's super crazy, but that's how our fears and our doubts and our worries, that's how they like come to be the, these big old snowball. Um, they just grow bigger and bigger. And sometimes we don't understand where that fear started. And so it's so crucial that we become aware of what those fears and doubts and worries are so that we can begin to heal the part of ourselves that might still be bleeding into other areas of our lives, causing us to live in fear. Let me share with you a little bit about how this clearly portrayed in the Israelites' journey when they were going through the desert after God had delivered them out of Egypt. If you are familiar with the story, you might remember that the Israelites, the chosen people—you know, the the people that God chose to live in covenant with God. They had lived in Egypt for about 430 years. These were, you know, the people that were slaves to. um, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce this word in English, but Al-Faraon. And so these people were slaves, and for various generations, they lived under Pharaon's, you know, oppression and slavery. So after Moses let them out of Egypt and they started their journey through the desert, the goodness and the protection of God was so visibly invisible. I know it's weird because it wasn't visible to the human eye, but it was totally visible because of all the miracles that were happening around them. I mean, if you've read the story, you know, they saw how the Red Sea parted for them to pass through. They saw how, um, you know, this bread would all of a sudden appear in the morning for them to eat throughout the day. So a lot of things happen. A lot of miracles happen to them and for them as as they were on their journey through the desert. So we find this story in the book of Exodus, chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. And it says, you know, it says that then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on on any other day. So let me just give you a little bit of background. This point, you know, they have left Egypt. They're in the middle of the desert and they're saying, yeah, like we need some food. Like they were cranky. They were complaining. They were whining. And so God tells them, okay, you know, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you bread that he also gave them quail. And that's in, in a different part of the story. But God is, again, giving them this miracle, doing this miracle for them to have, you know, the food that they want. So here he's telling Moses, this is how it's going to happen. You know, there's going to be this bread that I'm going to give you. Every single day, people are to go out and pick their portion for the day, except on the sixth day. On the sixth day, they've got to pick twice. Twice for the sixth and for the seventh day so the story really tells how in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp and where the dew when the dew was gone there were some thin flakes like frost on the ground and they just appeared on the floor and it was like white um coriander seeds so if you've seen a coriander seed they're tiny little white flakes And the Bible says that it tasted like wafers made with honey. I mean, that sounds pretty delicious. I don't know about you, but I would like some myself. Every day, each person picked up specific portions according to their family size. Whatever didn't get picked melted away when the sun hit. So it was very clean and it's so amazing and how organized, you know, this miracle was. And it was a miracle that happened every single day. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gather much, some gather little. And when they measured it by the Omer, which was, you know, how they measured their food back then, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. So everyone gathered just as much as they needed. It was just enough. It was like God was meeting their need just how it needed to be met. There was never, you know, too much. There was never too little. It was always just what they needed. However, they were to only take each day their portion for that day, except for the sixth day when they needed to pick twice. So double the amount because on the seventh day, there wouldn't be any for them to pick. So that's on Exodus 16, 27. And it says that nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. And when this happened, God did question their disobedience. You know, he asked Moses, like, haven't you guys understood like what's happening? You know, like I'm telling you to follow the instruction, yet your people, like, people are still going out and not understanding. So he he had shown his goodness to them. He had shown and done all these miracles for them, yet they were still so stubborn. These people had lived through miracles. They even saw, you know, how the Red Sea parted for them to walk through it. And still they questioned God's deliverance and protection for them. And it's so interesting because all my life, I've looked at this part of the story as a full, like a full blown act of disobedience. Like, oh my gosh, like wouldn't they just, you know, follow the rule, follow the instruction. And we always paint it as like the people were disobedient. They did not listen, they went against God. They did not do as they were told. But check this out. These people had been living under the oppression of Pharaoh's slavery for 430 years. Their brains had been programmed to be guarded, to be afraid, to doubt, to question, and to fend for themselves. They had functioned under under a system of oppression for generations, probably living with an enormous amount of anxiety. You know, functioning in this hyper-aroused nervous system and preoccupied for their safety and For the availability of resources to them. They had developed this like strong scarcity mentality. For 430 years, they lived that way. So at this point, when they are finally, you know, freed and delivered out of Egypt, they saw God through their wounds, through a mindset that was shaped by their slavery. They had this lens that they saw everything through it. And that lens was fogged up with slavery, fear, doubt, scarcity, everything you can think of, you know, that led them to being disobedient. So they saw God through their wounds. Collecting extra mana that day By the way, that bread was called mana. I don't know if I said that, but collecting extra mana when they didn't have to was an act of disobedience, but it was also a reflection of their mental programming. Going out on that seventh day to pick up when, you know, they were clearly told not to do that. Yes, it was an act of disobedience, but it was also a reflection of their mental programming the reprogramming that they had to go through as they walked out of Egypt, as they faced all these new challenges, it was completely against their mindset. They did not have this mindset, this confident mindset to walk under God's protection and to trust that he would provide. And this is very true today because our past experiences, the ones that you know are still unresolved, the ones that are still unhealed, those wounds that are still bleeding, they might be bleeding into specific areas of our lives, holding us captive. And therefore, we're living in fear. We all have them. We all have those past experiences. The deep hurt that someone or something has caused in our lives. Experiences that have shaped the way we see the world, the way we see God's love and protection for our lives. And I don't mean to shame you in any way for feeling fearful, you know, through the rough times, but I do need to bring this awareness. I need to help point you into a path that's going to help you begin healing your past wounds so that they no longer bleed into your life today. So that you can stop seeing life through your wounds, so that you can stop hurting, so that you can realize where it hurts, so that you can bring healing into your life. Your mental strength and your confident mindset require your attention today. You know, we are living in rough times and we don't know if things are going to stay the same, get worse, get better. We don't know that. But what we do know is that sometimes we see everything that's happening around us through the lenses of hurt, of disappointment, and lenses that instead of giving us hope, they lead us to live in fear, to live in doubt, and to just live in in an anxiety state all the time. This is why it's important for us to pay attention. If my fear, if my doubt, if my anxiety is too overwhelming, then it's getting in the way. And then that's telling me that there's a part of me that is still bleeding, that needs my attention because I need to stop seeing God through my wounds And I need to stop living life through my old wounds. You deserve to heal. You deserve to live life abundantly, even through the rough times. So I'm going to leave you with this today. What part of you is still wounded and needs healing today? Thank you for stopping by today. Please leave a review and head over to www.leslieflores.com to learn more about the Uniquely Confident School, an online community of faith-driven women determined to manage their mind and live confidently.